I was shown um, hovering car. Yes, these vehicles uh, hovering above the ground and the nature was repaired. The earth was so clean and the air so clean. There was no more fossil fuels pollutions, no more hydrocarbons. Carburants, no, you know, it, it was all, uh, it's like the earth was repaired and healed and nature was happy because everything was about anti-gravity and, and um, zero point energy. Um, I, I saw that. And then um, after the looking glass device, I had a little chat with Haben, the, the commander of the ship. And he said, come on, I'm going to show you something. And he took me to a room on the ship. There were a lot of um, computer, sort of computer machines and with holographic screen. And there were um, people, uh, Proxima Centaurians, working on these screens. And there were blueprints of, could, be, could have been these cars. It could look like, uh, you know, futuristic cars, but all with blue lines, like holographic. And they were working on that. And Haben told me, the, 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 the cars you've seen in 20 years' time, they are actually being mass-produced, a lot of them on the moon, but also somewhere else, um, for when the, the, the Terrans, the Earth people, are ready, this will be implemented uh, massively like, everywhere in one go because everything will be ready. It's been produced now. They're waiting the right moment uh, to implement them. You're listening to Exopolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala, your source for the uncensored truth regarding the human, extraterrestrial, global, and political agenda. Click the like button and subscribe to this channel. And now, here's Dr. Michael Sala. It's my great pleasure to welcome back Elena Danan to Exopolitics Today. Welcome, Elena. Thank you, Michael. I'm very happy to be on your um, show again. <laughs> well, that's an impressive uh, T-shirt you got there. Uh, what, what is that? Uh, Space Force. Space Force. Yes, I'm getting uh, ready. For oh, okay. With the uh, US insignia and everything. Yes. <laughs> that is that is cool. Well, very interesting uh, developments recently, and Space Force is at the center of it. So that's very appropriate what you're wearing. Yes, 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 indeed. <laughs> so I thought it'd be good to um, go back a little bit to uh, your earlier career because, I mean, you worked as an uh, archaeologist in Egypt and yes. just a few days ago you had this remarkable announcement that there was a new tunnel that was found in uh, in the pyramid, in the Great Pyramid, and that uh, because you actually have worked there I'm, I'm just going to put up a, a screen share so that way you can see i mean there, there it is that's the the great pyramids i mean three of them and of course uh you have this new discovery so do you want to kind of like just um explain to the audience exactly what the significance of this discovery is well, it's uh, the first time uh, since the, the, the opening discovery of the, the Pyramid of Cheops that uh, such a thing is found. This uh, first was uh, detected by muon radiography. So the void was uh, already uh, detected. 
But then they found this entrance to this tunnel, which goes to 30 meters uh, deep and uh, very well constructed, two meters uh, large. It's absolutely astounding. Um, the whole world is, you know, hold their breath for that. What it means is that it leads to somewhere. It's not um, a shaft, it's a tunnel where you can walk in. And that's very impressive. And that leads to somewhere in the pyramid. Because when you see all the mass of the pyramid with only the, the, the few we know of uh, uh, three corridors and two rooms, there is way more than that. And the pyramid is connected to an underground labyrinth city, you know, much more ancient. So. It, it was very interesting uh, for me who have worked in Egypt and especially um, a, a little a short while with Dr. Zahi Hawass um, to, to witness something very interesting that not many could have picked up because I, I, I knew what it was about. There was this announcement and uh, at the feet of the pyramids and this Egyptian official said, oh, the experts have decided uh, that it's a um, discharge um, corridor for uh, the weight of the pyramid uh, and something architectural without no meaning especially. But Zahi Hawass comes after and says, I don't believe that it's not a discharge uh, corridor. It, it's, it's a real corridor that leads to somewhere and that leads to great discoveries and see in the coming weeks what I, I say. Zahiawas knows, he knows what's inside. He's been many times underneath the plateau. He knows it very well. He's been underneath the Sphinx, in the Sphinx, everywhere. He knows. If someone knows there, it's him. But every time during the last decades, every time he tried to make an announcement, when he actually made announcements, we found a shaft in the Sphinx, we found tunnels under the Sphinx, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, a week later, every time he was obliged to um, deny publicly what he had said. And I know that that is because there are powers behind archaeological sites in Egypt. And I can say it frankly, it's the Freemasons. They own the sites, main sites in Egypt. Why? Because the sites they own have access to power, to technology that they would really like to, um, to use, you know. So um, that's uh, what I can uh, I can say, um, Michael. Well, that's very important. It gives us a background into discoveries under Egypt's pyramids that this has been suppressed for decades by the Freemasons, and uh, you know this is something that I uh, remember William Tompkins, the Secret uh, Space Program. Insider, he said the same that the Freemasons are, are controlling all of these discoveries, and uh, he knew of Egypt's discoveries being kind of like uh, being kept secret by the Freemasons. And also, Radu Cinema in his Transylvanian book series saying the same thing. And, and of course, you directly experienced that. But yes. what what makes us or what makes you feel that this announcement 
and Zawi Hawass saying that, again, something spectacular uh, may be at the end of this tunnel. Well, what makes you think it's different this time around? What do you think's happened? I think it's different this time around because um, besides the fact that we know that the, the Freemasons are losing power and grip on things, uh, that's all supposition from the events. Uh, that intervention of Zayawas gives me hope because he contradicts publicly uh, live the, the Egyptian official. Um, that wouldn't have happened uh, like 10 years ago or a few years ago even. It wouldn't have happened. He wouldn't have done that because he would have faces, faced consequences. So that that makes me believe that something good is going to come out of it, that effectively a discovery may be at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> but that also comes right after uh, the Raven, Raven Rock meetings. And my belief that both are links, we're gonna talk about that, I suppose, uh, later. Um, the both, to my understanding, may be linked because on the 1st of January, 2023, just um, uh, two months from now when we are speaking, I received messages from my contact in the Galactic Federation of Worlds and High Commander Ardana. Um, the, at the end of her message to humanity, she said for 2023 that um, there would be, as she said, focus on the pyramids. There would be an opening in a pyramid and it will be linked with a knowledge coming that is related to islands in your oceans. So I thought about Atlantis probably. Um, so she said that. And at, uh, um, a week later, on the sixth, on the seventh, sorry, of January, the Raven Rocks meetings. I think it's all part of a disclosure plan. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's my feeling. Right. I think it's very important uh, that we understand the kind of signals or the announcements that have been made by your contacts, and and how that kind of prepares us for these kinds of revelations that are that are coming uh, that are coming, and and of course you mentioned uh, Commander Adana, High Commander Adana from the Galactic Federation, talking about look, look to your pyramids, look to the pyramids, or focus on the pyramids, and talking about the uh, islands in the oceans in relationship to the pyramids, and and that that is clearly an allusion to Atlantis. And of yes. course, you know, there have been many, many stories of uh, Atlantean technologies being taken to Egypt and being placed under the pyramids. So it seems that we are on the verge of this information coming out. And, you know, many predicted this, Edgar Casey predicted that, that, uh, at the end of the uh, 20th century that the uh, Atlantean information buried in the uh, Hall of Records there under the uh, Sphinx would be revealed, but it never happened. 
So something has changed. And of course, you mentioned the Freemasons suppressing all of that. They've, they've lost their power. So something has changed. And of course, this takes us to this very important meeting at Raven Rock that, uh, that, you, that you saw through the eyes of Thorhand. So just want to remind people of you know, exactly what you saw, what, how it happened that Thorhand allowed you to see what was unfolding there at Raven Rock. Yes, uh, it was on the 7th of January, 6th or 7th, I can't remember, 7th probably. Um, I, um, around midday, received this uh, communication of, of, from Thorhan, my contact. And he said he wanted to show me uh, through his eyes, we can do that. We, I have an implanted device that allows us to look through each other's eye when we decide to, when he does that remotely. So, okay, he wanted to show me something. And he was standing in the Blue Ridge Mountains. He showed me, it was very important that I remember, I really visualized the landscape. The Blue Ridge Mountains were kind of even, were even, not flat, but even, all the, the ridge. And he said, That's, that will allow me to locate the place. And he was at the, <clears throat> sorry, the exit of a shaft uh, leading to, um, a landing bay for spaceships. Then he showed me, he connected with me briefly when he met with a general. So I thought first it was a five-star general because there were five shiny things on his shoulder. I saw his shoulder. In fact, it was four stars and a button. And uh, I was uh, a bit misled, but because I wasn't focusing on counting the stars, it was just, you know, because um, I, um, I was focusing on the device Thorhan was giving to this general. And this, this general, I identified it off a list of 44 generals that you sent me afterwards. You know, I'm French. I live in Ireland. I know nothing about who's who in the American army, military, you know, and uh, which is even better. Uh, I was more objective to identify him. And uh, there was, I was sure I said to you 98, 99% that could be this, this man. And you told me who he was afterwards. So why Thorhan just had to go hand in hand to meet this person to give him this device. It was flat, long device. Uh, yes, the, here we go. And with a little um, shiny button, something. And this device, um, I was told afterwards by Thorhan, it contained new plans for updated plans for disclosure about extraterrestrial um, interactions with humans and um, the secret space program. And there's also uh, blueprints of advanced technologies in it. So this was given to this general and the Earth Alliance. Um, but it was given hand to hand, which is quite unusual because, you know, they can send communications to each other. That means that needed not to be interfered. It was the safest way was hand to hand. Yes, that is a, a really safe way of relaying what was a very important piece of information. I mean, the disclosure plan. Obviously, you would not want that to fall into the hands of the uh, the the deep state, and so it had to be 
personally delivered to General Van Herc, who is the uh, commander of US Northern Command and of NORAD. So that, those are the two commands that are really responsible for all of North America in the event of any kind of an attack. And so he's a very significant four-star general. Now, I mean, you, you say you saw the what was happening within this Raven Rock Mountain complex through the eyes of Forehand. Did did you recall or did you hear anything about their conversation? You know, what did Thorhand say as he handed this device over to General Van Herc? Um I didn't um I didn't catch the sound of the, the conversation. I could hear Thorhand to- talking to him, but it was like muffled, like if I needed not to hear, the sound was muffled. But I, mm-hmm. I I had the sound, but I didn't catch what Thorne was saying to him. Do you remember if there were other people in the room? Was it like a crowded room? Was it like a, a kind of national security environment? What, what do you remember about other people mm-hmm. in the room? A lot of military, civilians? And no civilians. Uh, the room was quite dark. It was quite a twilight. Uh, behind behind the general behind him on the on his would be on his right there was a door with um a little light on 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 the top of the door above the door like a yellow lamp and bulb light bulb um lighting for the door but the rest of the room was in kind of penumbra and uh, there were people i know there were men i could feel i don't know why i can't I can tell it was men in uh, dark blue uniforms, uh, a lot of shiny buttons, um, but of course, and, and caps. But I, I could, I, it was like shadows. It was really in the, the, the shadow. Couldn't tell more, but it was militaries, yes. Uh, four, six people, maybe. Okay. Well, you know, we know that that device that he handed over to General Van Herc was containing some kind of disclosure plan. So, you know, that that takes us to some recent developments, like with um, Donald Trump, uh, the president or the former president, depending on what perspective you take, former or or current, (laughs) is uh, he gave a speech where he talked about um, new technologies uh, coming on board and this involved, he talked about personal vertical takeoff landing craft, which is a, fr- a flying car. I mean, he's talking about flying cars and new cities being built all over the United States with all of these amazing new technologies. So, I mean, that speech just kind of came out the last few days. So do you want to talk a, a little bit about that speech and what you think might be the connection to this Raven Rock disclosure plan? Yes. Uh, well. When I heard about that today, um, well, um, we're on the, the with the fourth of March as we're recording this today. I um, I was excited. I went, oh my goodness! And that took me back to December 16, 2022, when I was invited physically on board uh, Meton, uh, Proxima Century mothership, and on this ship uh, there is a looking glass device. I tried it for the second time and they showed me Earth in 20 years time. And I straightly made a video about that um, to record the date and the moment. Um, I saw 
I was shown um, hovering car. Yes, these vehicles uh, hovering above the ground and the nature was repaired. The earth was so clean and the air so clean. There was no more fossil fuels pollutions, no more hydrocarbons. Carburants, no, you know, it, it was all, uh, it's like the earth was repaired and healed and nature was happy because everything was about anti-gravity and, and um, zero point energy. Um, I, I saw that. And then um, after the looking glass device, I had a little chat with Haben, the, the commander of the ship. And he said, come on, I'm gonna show you something. And he took me to a room on the ship. There were a lot of um, computer, sort of computer machines and with holographic screen. And there were um, people, uh, Proxima Centaurians, working on these screens. And there were blueprints of, could, be, could have been these cars. It could look like, uh, you know, futuristic cars, but all with blue lines, like holographic. And they were working on that. And Haben told me, the, the 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 cars you've seen in 20 years time they are actually being mass produced a lot of them on the moon but also somewhere else um for when the the, the terrans the earth people are ready this will be implemented uh, massively like everywhere in one go because everything will be ready it's been produced now they're waiting the right moment uh, to implement them. Um, so um, reminded me that. And yeah, um, you know, Ravenrock, the updated disclosure plan, new technologies, um, it's all part of the same plan of the, the good star people, as we could call them. Yeah, there does seem to be a really amazing synchronicity here with, uh, you know, th this Donald Trump announcement and th the plan that was handed over to General Van Herp at Raven Rock and um, uh, uh, Alex Collier, our mutual friend. I mean, he did his one of his uh, webinars on Friday, and he said something. Uh, that's Friday, the uh, what was it, March the third, uh, yesterday. And and he said something really interesting. He said that that according to the information he got from the Andromedans, that what was seen in the future in terms of Earth's development, like you saw, like the though uh, the Proxima Centaurians showed you twenty years into the future. He said that that the Earth Alliance, that the White Hats, the military White Hats, know what the future is. And what they're doing is reverse engineering that. And, and I thought that was really, uh, you know, really quite insightful that if you know what the future is, that li literally all you need to do is to just like reverse engineer that. So, you know, that makes me question, well, is are the contents of that device that Thorhen gave to General Van Herc, just the Galactic Federation, the Andromeda Council kind of putting together their ideas for how to reverse engineer the future so that it so that it happens right now. I think it's very possible because time, um, the, the, the factor of time is part of their science and their everyday life. 
a concept that is very difficult to grasp on Earth with our linear time. But when you're not on Earth, um, it, it's um, it's quite mind blowing. Sometimes difficult to understand the time um, equation uh, is different with them. They use it a lot. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought that's a really kind of very interesting perspective. Yeah. You know, we think of time as this magical kind of technology or thing that can be altered only through some incredible temporal technologies and but for the galactics this is everyday technology i mean like you you mentioned that thorhan actually lives 200 years in the future on the pleiades with his beautiful bride we won't talk about that um and and he and he uh comes to earth just to kind of like do his job with the Galactic Federation, and and then he goes back to, back back to uh, his home world, and that's two hundred years in the future. So, yeah. yes. So, so yes. I mean, he's like living two timelines. You know, one here he's dealing with events on Earth, but on but he when he goes back home, it's two hundred years in the future, and he's there with his bride. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. That's um, that's how they do. You know, it's. The, the Galactic Federation of Worlds responded to the, the call of the Andromedans uh, a little bit more than 300 years in the future to uh, come back in time to change timeline on Earth. So the Galactic Federation, which is a military organization, uh, sent troops there and Thorhan was part of, of, of them, you know. Yes, so that that is kind of like very significant. So now we, we know that the Galactics, the Galactic Federation, Andromeda Council, manipulate time. They are able to change time or at least understand what's, what's coming yes. and reverse engineer events so that the, the future timeline is preserved. And, and I think that was one of the things that we know Alex Collier told us about the Andromedans saying that 300 years in the future, if if action wasn't taken by the different galactic councils and federations now on Earth, that 300 years in the future, there would be a galaxy-wide tyranny. So this is part of the reason why everything is has been focused on Earth and so many galactics are here, uh, have been here to kind of like help preserve the timeline um, so, so now we we are on this accelerated. Well, I don't know if it's accelerated, but certainly we are on this path where, at the moment, you know, we're using fossil fuels. We're kind of like you know witnessing the deep state playing all its major cards to try and confuse and distract and 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 put the world in in kind of create chaos on the planet. But behind the scenes. Uh, the galactics are preparing for this incredible future and all of these advanced technologies are being built right now that it's not going to be like 20 years in 20 years that all these amazing technologies become available they're right they're here right now it's just waiting for the deep state to kind of like uh be defeated and and collapse so uh i know you've been talking about this the last couple of years about all of these advanced technologies being built. Uh, so do you want to kind of like address that? 
Yes, well, uh, since uh, the moon was taken back in February 2021, taken back by the Earth Alliance from the hands, uh, what, sorry, when I say the Earth Alliance, it's Solar Warden troops with uh, the help of the Galactic Federation of World. It's a con conjoint um, operation. Uh, the moon was liberated from the hands of the Nebu, who were the Orion group, tall greys. The Dark Fleet also had um, assets on the moon. Everything was uh, taken off the moon, the moon was liberated, and then the Earth Alliance took possession of the moon. And all the facilities were reused for, since then, building new technologies. There has been since February 2021 a mass producing of um, med beds and medical technologies, but that's not all. Uh, there is also advanced technologies. It's very handy. You know that the moon is very hollowed. There's a lot of facilities under it. So it's not only under the surface of the moon, it's inside as well. There's a lot of room, a lot of uh, factories in there. They can produce a lot of things, very, very efficient. Uh, I've, yes, I've been talking about that uh, since then. Well, I remember JP, uh, who you've met, and yes. uh, a few others have met, uh, who works with the US Army. He says that he was taken, he went on several moon missions in uh, 2021. And he, re he re recalls there being a lot of equipment being taken there and that they were building a lot of things up there. That That kind of matched the information you got about the recent liberation of the moon and that there are a lot of new facilities being built and a lot of uh, mass production of advanced technologies. So that was something that JP was able to confirm. Um, and I, th I thought that was very significant. Yes. So I want to go to this uh, incident that, or series of incidents that, that happened in uh, February from February 4 to February 12, and that those were the, the shootdowns of the UFOs. And uh, these, uh, these shootdowns, they all followed, uh, like three of them happened in succession after the big balloon was shot down that is said to belong to China. And these three objects were then shot down by NORAD, which was the first time in since NORAD's creation in since 1958 that objects had been shot down over the over the US by NORAD. Uh, so that was that was kind of very uh, interesting that you have these UFOs being sighted, being shot down by orders of NORAD. Of course, it made it dominated uh, the the major airwaves, the mainstream media. For, for just over a week. And so what what do you think was going on with the UFO flyovers or these UFO objects and the shootdowns? Well, what do you think was going on there? Well, uh, my, my first suspicion that there was something that was not as we were made believe it was, it's when suddenly uh, General Glenn Van Herk was on every TV uh, talking about UFOs. And um, he, nobody heard about him before, and except that just 
<laughs> a few days before, the week before, maybe, uh, uh, no, sorry, it was the 4th of February, a month before, a month before, I had um, identified him as the Raven Rock meeting with Ron, and suddenly was on TV everywhere. I went, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, talking about UFOs, then also, why UFOs, why not UAP? The officials of the deep state last year told us that we're not saying UFO anymore, we're saying UAP. Why? The name was UFO. So there was a hint somewhere that it wasn't the same people uh, organizing something. And then I had this communication from Thoron, who told me something I need to tell people. There is absolutely no extraterrestrial behind the building of these crafts, alleged crafts that have been allegedly shut down. It's all earth made by military. And that is that was very important. Then um, slowly, little by little, I, I got very little information on that because it's an operation that is still ongoing re related to disclosure. So um, it's not good to, you know, reveal um, the enemy is, is watching. Hi, guys. Um, well, um, uh, Thorhan told me they want, uh, he said, the, he said the, the deep state wants to fake an alien invasion, which won't happen. Well, all my deductions, a little bit of information I had was that the deep state planned an alien, fake alien invasion. And we know about that, the Project Bluebeam, uh, Werner von Braun has spoke, had spoken about that. We, we, now people know the cat is out of the bag. We know about Project Bluebeam, the holographic fake alien invasion that would uh, scare everyone, that we would comply to a world government, etc. What is the best, I think, what I believe is that the White Hats, the Earth Alliance, and I think the Raven Rock meetings were involved in this, um, plan to, you know, um, take the ground below the enemy, uh, play as if it was alien invasion, but turning it like it's just failing, then the deep state cannot do their own fake alien invasion. Like, you know, um, Michael, you, you were the, the, the first person I heard mentioning, I think it was in your last webinar, about martial arts. Martial arts, that you take the, 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 the plan, the tactic of your enemy and you turn it against them. And I think that's what was going on. And the few hints that Thorhan told me would go in this direction for me. Yeah, I thought that was uh, very interesting that uh, you, you have the, this series of uh, UFO, UFO incidents and them all being shot down by NORAD, by General Van Herc, the very person that received this disclosure plan uh, from Thorhan. And to me, it did look like uh, the Deep State launched some kind of event, some kind of false yes. flag event involving UFOs and whatever it was they were planning to do got co-opted 
by the by the White Hats, by NORAD, by General Van Herc, so that rather than putting people into fear, it actually opened people up to, well, UFOs are here, they're real, uh, we don't know what they are, they could be extraterrestrial, we don't know, and, and of course, people obsessed over the UFO issue for, for over a week, and now it's been um, several weeks after the fact, and, and nothing has happened, so you know, that makes me suspect that whatever the deep state was planning to do, that, you know, with that was the initial kind of like salvo of, of their fake alien invasion or whatever scenario they had. Uh, but that that was the kind of opening salvo. But things seem to have just been neutralized or or I mean, there are some some uh, are predicting still that there is a fake alien or that there is an alien a genuine alien invasion or a fake alien invasion depending on you know which source you go to but some people think that you know this is the groundwork has been laid so the deep state isn't finished yet they're still going to go forward with their second step and so that makes me question whether or not this is part of the plan that whatever the deep state does the white hats respond and try and turn that around like in a jiu-jitsu maneuver where you use the opponent's force against them. So in this case, whatever the deep state is planning, the White Hats will turn that around so that rather than people ending up being frightened and scared, confused, they end up being curious, opened, and more enlightened about UFOs. Michael, yeah, if I may say, um, I have been saying that the, the regressive aliens had been kicked out from Earth and the stars, our star system since the, the end of the year 2021. And recently, um, who could you remind me, I forget, who, who is this important person who validated what this is what I said. Um, you remember there was um, an official who said that uh, there were no more extra bad extraterrestrials on Earth that had been kicked out. Remember that? Um, I don't uh, remember which yes, one. Yes, that was uh, John Peterson from the Arlington Institute. And, and he said that three independent sources confirmed to him that negative extraterrestrials were kicked out of our solar system. And, and what makes John Peterson uh, very significant is, is that he's not part of our community. He's not part of our UFO community. He's a, he's a futurist. He has a think tank in the Washington, D.C. that operates in that Washington, D.C. kind of uh, beltway uh, culture. And, uh, and, and, and his institute was funded by the U.S. Navy to look at future scenarios that would take place on the earth and find out how people would react, how the Navy would respond. So he, he's a very he's a very serious uh, person with uh, funding from the Navy, and he's corroborating exactly what you had said. Yes, it was, uh, I was very happy with that. <laughs> so yeah, that that's, that's very important. Um, so, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, before we move on to the next topic, I think I just want to mention that recently, you know, someone I've worked with in the past approached me, um, convinced that there's going to be some kind of a genuine extraterrestrial event um, involving these UFOs that were shot down. That this that this was actually an extraterrestrial event and that was negative. And um, so. You know, this kind of 
raises this issue that we just talked about, that there are no negative extraterrestrials left in our solar system, that they're being kicked out. So anyone saying that we're about to be attacked by negative extraterrestrials, you know, they're operating out of an old paradigm. You know, maybe their information, whoever is feeding them that information is, is giving them some old dated material. Maybe they don't know what really has happened um, because, you know, the deep state lie at every level to their subordinates, to their minions. So, you know, their minions might still believe that, well, you know, our, the, our Draco overlords are still operating in our, you know, still operating here, but, you know, that, that these, there's lies uh, that, that are used to manipulate people. So, um, but yeah, I think it's very significant that you know, not only you, but Alex and others have said that negative extraterrestrials have been forced to leave our solar system. And, and that was confirmed by John Peterson and his independent sources. So there's not going to be a negative alien invasion. No, no. You, you wouldn't have all this technology manufactured on the moon if the, the, the regressive aliens were still there, you know? Exactly. All right. So, so now what I want to do is is move on to the to the next uh, topic that I thought was very interesting, and uh, I, I did an interview with uh, JP just um, uh, that that came out a week or so ago, where he talked about um, him going into an underground um, civilization and meeting with uh, these human-looking beings, and that he he met this seven-foot-tall Nordic-looking human, and uh, this this person's name was Jazit, and he escorted JP, and I think there were 10 people in that mission, um, down into this underground civilization where they saw a, a big city, and adjacent to that was a Nordic extraterrestrial spaceport. So I thought you had some very interesting information about that article. So do you want to kind of like tell us what what how you responded to that information from JP? Yes, well, watching your video with JP, Michael, I jumped twice on my seat because uh, first, Jacit is um, Era Hell name from planet Era, Taigeta system, Pleiades. And these people, it's uh, Thorhan's race, and they are very tall and exactly the description of the, 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 the being that led J JP to this underground base. So uh, I said, yes, I heard this name already, and I know it's from planet Era in the Pleiades. I know, I know that's originally from there. But then this name could be, you know, um, and anyone could wear a Pleiadian name. But then Second thing, um, JP describes a, and they enter a, a, a space where there's a, there's there are plants and nature, and there's a very strong smell of. He says vanilla, but he said something a little bit like that seems like vanilla. So it's like vanilla, but a little bit, bit different. And I I just jumped on my chair because um, in in two thousand eighteen when I was taken back again on board Thorhan's scout ship in 2000, November 2018, um, I, had, I hadn't seen him for years. So uh, we gave a hug to each other and he smelled vanilla. But my, my reaction was something a little bit like vanilla. 
same work, same, you know, same impression. Um, and then he explained to me later that uh, a day or so before, a cargo ship had arrived from the Pleiades and he acquired this essence smelling vanilla because on planet Era, it's the like the national flower. It's called Oshksha. It's a red flower and it's it produces vanilla scent, very strong. And the, the planet Era, they, they are very proud of this flower. So takes me back to JP's story. If it was really Era Hell from Era, um, of course they would have brought their favorite <laughs> flowers with them if they had to live for a long time underground in this space. That was interesting. Yeah, it was very interesting because you know he described this city populated by these Nordic, seven foot tall, Nordic human looking beings. And then you had the, the spaceport. And, and he kind of said, well, the Nordics, uh, he, he described the city as like, okay, with these very tall human looking people there. And then he said, well, next to the city is this spaceport, that the, that the, that the city is working with the spaceport. That, so, I mean, are we talking about an ancient underground civilization that's been there for you know tens of thousands of years and that they are working with the, the Nordics that have a fleet, uh, fleets of spacecraft there? Or are we talking about a, a colony from Erahel that is there? I mean, what, what do you think that city was? I think it's a colony and it may be very recent, you know, it may be an outpost, an underground base, as the, the, the Federation had has underground bases uh, a little bit everywhere on the planet. So uh, to my understanding, after JP's description to me, it was an underground um, facility. Okay, all right. Well, yeah, I thought that was very interesting. And, and, and by the way, uh, JP also mentioned uh, that when he went, he was taken into this underground, underwater city in the Atlantic Ocean, very close to where the space arc was. He said he went, he was taken down by this submarine, by a, a submarine belonging to the Nordics, that he was taken down to the bottom and there, and there was kind of like three huge domes with cities underneath not far from the ark and the and the cities were populated by these very tall human looking beings he said that he also he he said that uh, again he smelt vanilla in the in the craft belonging to the to the nordic that this wow. submarine that went down there had vanilla so again wow. you know, this raises a very interesting possibility could that be um you know could that be an ancient Earth colony at the bottom of the ocean? Could this be an offshoot or of, of an era hell colony that's been there for a long time or recently? There was an era hell colony in Atlantis, but when there was this old cataclysm, everything got destroyed. So it would be a colony that went back to settle again and build a solid facility on the bottom of the ocean, I suppose. Um, I know the Federation, Galactic Federation of Worlds has uh three or more i know about three three or more facilities in under the atlantic ocean so and there's one there next there so maybe that uh mm. i don't know more okay well i want to show you a 
photograph that JP took of a flying saucer with two Nordics in it in uh, in 2018 when he was living in Orlando, Florida, because he says that when he was in this underground city uh, with the spaceport near it just um, earlier this month, or earlier, sorry, in, in January where he was taken down there, he described seeing hundreds of these craft all lined up at the spaceport and that they were very busy and he described how they would be revealing themselves over the over the months ahead and the years ahead just to kind of like acclimate people. So I, th I thought I'd show you this because I wanted to see if if you have seen this kind of craft before. So so there so there it is. It is a um, you know it's a saucer shaped craft and he says that there was a kind of cockpit area and to the left-hand corner, I mean, it's 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 blurry, but in the left-hand corner, you can just barely make out two figures. And he says that these were Nordics, two Nordics. So, so you know, this is what makes JP kind of like stand out amongst the crowd of people sharing a lot of information that he's got all these photos that he's taken over the years of these crafts. So have you seen that craft before? Yes, I have. Uh, it actually looks like an Alpha Centaurian uh, scout ship, but um, I've seen I've seen them um, also um, in there's a, there was a landing bay on the Excelsior. The day I was taken to by with Thoran to touch the belly of a scout ship, I described that in one of my books. Um, there, it was a big, big um, hangar bay on board the Excelsior, the mothership of the Federation upstairs. Um, and there were these ones. I saw uh, a lineup of these ones, and they didn't look like the Pleiadian scout ships uh, that Thorhan drives. Now, um, what I was told at the time is that there is a type of uh, scout ship uh by dna and races so the the beautiful profiled two saucer shaped uh what we call pleiadian scout ships that the federation uh, uses it's for um ahel and tal uh, dna it's for pleiadian dna so this, this group earth people cannot pilot them because uh, they don't have uh, enough of it. So they have hybrid uh, uh, craft that can be um, piloted by um, Nordic aliens, Pleiadians or uh, who else, and Earth people, because the DNA is very different. So it's different. Um, and this, it was the same. It, it had nearly no, no ridge around, a very, very thin, thin and uh, small. And it was, yeah, like square, flat, round. Um, so it really looks like these ones. So that would be the craft used by the Earth Alliance, um, I suppose, by deduction. Well, th that is very interesting. I mean, because you know, what we have now is a better idea of the types of craft that some involved with the Galactic Federation, I mean, the Erahel, uh, you know, with through this underground base and the spaceport there, that they have a lot of craft there that they're going to fly out. So to raise awareness, to kind of get people used to seeing uh, flying saucer craft, I mean, JP said that this was 
what he was told that this this was the plan. So again, it's like, well, there's a plan here, a plan to acclimate people. So this takes us back to General Van Herc and the plan that he was given. So it, so that plan that he was given, maybe that includes what JP uh, witnessed, that this is this is part of the process, that JP is part of that disclosure initiative because, I mean, he's being allowed to talk. I mean, he's... he's serving currently in the US Army, being taken on these missions, and he's being encouraged to talk about it by his covert superiors. So whatever plan is in existence, I mean, he seems to be a key part of that. Yes, I believe so too, yes. Well, um, I think now maybe we can go to one of these other really interesting topics that you've you've raised. And I know I recently interviewed Chris O'Connor and uh, he's talking about his involvement or his recollection of uh, the, the Saturn agreements that he recently recalled being involved in these negotiations to hand back uh, Saturn and the moons of Saturn to from the Anunnaki to the Earth Alliance. So you want to tell us all about uh, the Saturn agreements? Yeah, so, well, you know, um, as uh, many people know, I am in contact with Ia, who uh, is also known as Enki. And he, he told me that one of the reasons why he came back is since the star system was liberated from the regressive extraterrestrials. He came back at the same moment as the, with the cedars a little bit before, and it was to bring back, give back to the Earth Alliance the, the template, the uh, frequency key of the, the, the Adamic original DNA uh, to the Earth Alliance. And also, too, I knew that afterwards, that um, to give back Saturn, to the, the the solar system because every so every time before all the Anunnaki the Cedar arrived uh, every time we were passing by Saturn with Thorhan in, in the ship we needed always to avoid Saturn and, and go around and uh, he, he would never tell me why he said there's a secret there there's a big secret there's a big secret okay so by yeah I knew that I learned that there was um, a technology on Saturn that was very, very uh, powerful and harmful. And this technology was um, Anunnaki and Gray technology, Orion Gray Nebu technology. They had done something uh, put together. So that, that's why nobody needed to know that this powerful technology was there. And also, Saturn was a, a concession of the, the negative faction of the Anunnaki, okay? Marduk and Enlil, they owned Saturn. It was the last stronghold of the Anunnaki in our star system, and nobody had the, the right to go near. It was very delimited. You could go on Saturn's moons, but not uh, pass the inner ring. You couldn't. That was the borderline. Uh, so then um, Marduk and Enlil were defeated 
and there was this big council with Anu at the request of the Galactic Alliance, which is composed of the Andromedans, um, the Galactic Federation of Worlds, and other minor organizations, positive, to uh, put an end to uh, Enlil and this star system, to take him away. And that was after this council that Enki, as an Anunnaki prince, son of Anu, had the right to the custody of Saturn. And then, as soon as he had it, he passed it on to the Earth Alliance. He said, that's it. <laughs> we, I don't want it. I don't want it. It's a sign that now your star system is totally yours. So these agreements to pass the custody of Saturn from uh, Anunnaki power to Earth people, Earth Alliance for the moment, what happened on the moon Mimas. It's the most inner moon. And Mimas is a bit like Ganymede. Uh, it's, um, there's a lot of um, different ET groups represented there. It, it's, it's a little moon, but inside it's very hollowed. Um, and it happened there. There was a big council and representatives of Earth. And uh, Ia was there and other ETs involved in this star system. And that's that's when it happened. I do not know the detail of these agreements. I wasn't, um, I didn't have the privilege to to witness it. Um, but um, it, it concerned um, also anything that was Anunnaki related in this star system was just cut ties and given back to Earth or destroyed, or that was the end of any ties with the Anunnaki. That was it. So we're talking about two sets of uh, meetings uh, concerning the Anunnaki. The first one, I remember Alex Collier contacting me saying that uh, he had just gotten news from the Andromeda Council that uh, that Anu, the king of the Anunnaki, had been summoned before the uh, before the all the councils to to account or to look into what crimes Enlil had done within our solar system, and that this led to Enlil being brought up and being shown to be kind of like uh, imprisoned or at least um, in some kind of custody, and he was very unhappy. And so that meeting and the outcome of that led to this second set of meetings on Mimas, where or Mimas, where the custody of Saturn and the bases there and the moons were handed over from the Anunnaki to the Earth Alliance. So is, is that correct, that there were yes. two separate meetings um, and different sources have reported on this? And, and you and Chris O'Connor saw the meeting on Mimas, which actually led to the handing over of Saturn and the moons to the Earth Alliance. Yes, you are very correct, Michael. That's how it happened. Uh, once Enlil was cut from the star system and the custody of Saturn, he, he lost it. Then the custody passed to Enki, and Enki, as soon as he had it, passed it on to the Earth Alliance. And it, this happened on Mimas. While we're on the subject uh, of the Anunnaki, uh, Ia and Enlil and Anu, uh, I, I remember one of the pieces of information that you kind of shared some time ago was that 
the way the Anunnaki maintain longevity is very different to the way it's done amongst the other extraterrestrials that that other extraterrestrials you know they may live for a thousand three thousand or even ten thousand years but then at the end of that incarnation they they simply go through the death and rebirth process where their memories are intact but they start off in a new body and and they're living again whereas the Anunnaki do it by cloning where they just clone that they create these clone bodies that are that have these very long lives but at, towards the end of that life because their cloning is so so good so advanced they're able to just transfer 